0: Welcome to Design Bubble, your all-inclusive bubble for everything design. My name is Sameya Abdullah. I'm one of your hosts for today. Joining me is my co-host, Linwa Nguyen. In this episode, we chat with our friend and former classmate, Snehal Pendharkar. We all met while studying at UT Dallas as student leaders for the UX Club in 2019.
1: Hey, everyone, I'm Snehal. I'm a UX researcher at Morgan Chase. I have been in the field of UX for about years now, both as a designer and a researcher, and today I'm looking forward to share my experience as an international student in the field of UX with every one of you.
0: Without further ado, let's pop right in.
2: So Sneha, it's so nice to see you again! We all went to UT Dallas, for those of y'all who don't know us, and when we were in college, we were still all trying to find out like what paths of UX we wanted to explore and which one we kind of wanted to settle down on. So. Snehal, we're curious, how did you find out what part of UX you were interested in as a student? And then later on, did that evolve after you became a professional designer?
1: For me, I actually was introduced to the field of UX in my undergrad, where I learned about human-computer interaction when I was actually studying information technology engineering. And at that time, I was really inclined towards the entire design thinking process and just problem-solving. I then decided to pursue my master's in applied cognition and neuroscience just to have more formal education in the design world. And as I came to UT Dallas, I explored, you know, a lot of opportunities, UX club being one of them, where I met the wonderful two people here. (laughs) But that being said, I think UX Club gave me like different exposures that I needed to understand in, you know, networking with different professionals, understanding the fields of research and design. And then I landed an internship at a company which was setting up their UX process for the software products. And so that kind of introduced me to the more formal world of designing for UX for different products and mainly software as a service. And then I just continued from there with an internship. After I graduated, I had an opportunity to work as a UX researcher as well to explore the other side. And that kind of helped me understand the entire holistic picture, both the sides of the coin. And I think as I have explored research and design both, I feel like it's more evolving into service design and design thinking inclining more towards Uh, design as I'm just learning different things so it's evolving Um, I think most of it comes from meeting different people learning about different roles working on different kinds of projects attending different conferences networking and you know just just keeping yourself up with the industry tense
0: awesome I think that's super important to keep yourself up to date I know we did that a lot when we were in UX club we'd go to conferences and volunteer to get those free tickets and get access to like speaking to industry leaders so I love that you called that out. You talked a little bit about your time as a student, getting that internship in the beginning, but you've been working professionally for a few years now. And I think as both of you can probably attest to working professionally, doing design in like corporate world is not necessarily the same as it would be when you were in school. So can you talk a little bit about what your transition was like from school to full-time work?
1: It's slow transition, but also a very impactful one, right? Whenever you start a new job as you graduate from academia, nobody expects you to know all the answers. Nobody expects you to join in on day one and kind of take on responsibility. I think it's a gradual transition at most of the companies where they let you shadow the team, where they let you shadow the projects. You learn from the different designers and different researchers on the team. Get yourself acquainted with the products, right? Although it seems a gradual one, it's really a steep learning curve, you know, understanding different technologies that are used at your workplace, understanding the different nuances of the product itself for me it was particularly helpful to study different documents that have been there in the past associated with the product and that means different design versions different design systems that were used different research reports that were created i also had the opportunity to meet with a few people who were working on the products for my internship and also when i got full-time jobs right so Just keeping yourself connected with the people who have worked on the product in the past and or the teams who have worked with the stakeholders or associated product members. So I think transition involves that, that process of learning and shadowing, which is a big one. And I think that's the one that enables you to kind of contribute effectively, acts as a head start when you actually take on the responsibilities. I think the most important part of transition is that you ask as many questions as possible when you have the time. You learn, you have hands-on contribution to smaller things. So whenever I had the opportunity, I took initiatives to say, hey, can I take up this responsibility and try to see the extent to which I understood the product. That helped me transition from academia to a corporate job. The style of deliverables is also different from what they expect in academia. That also contributes to you learning different deliverables that are expected at your workplace. Both of those things are the most critical part of the transition to the workplace. I think everything else school prepares you for that, but I think just in real-time environment, learning the agility of the product, you know, different methodologies that are followed in the product life cycle. I think that's the steep learning curve.
2: Yep, <laughs> I was just thinking about all of those things. We're transitioning from a student into full-time work. I initially like wanted to ask that question just because we host recruiting events and we get asked that question a lot. So I was really curious to hear your perspective and it is pretty similar, I guess, across the industry. Cause what we typically said were like, there are no deadlines technically. Cause like the deliverable, it's just always evolving, always changing. So I'm glad y'all are seeing that too. That's really cool. Popping back into like school mindset times, I remember there were times when we were both job hunting and doing interviews and then there are some things I just never thought about because I didn't come from like an international student perspective and I would be like wait what I didn't even know this was a rule and all the things and so what was your experience like as an international student finding a job here in the U.S. with all the rules and stuff and like how did you even learn about that I was just curious.
1: So as I applied to my program at UT Dallas, I was given a document which was called I-20 that gave guidelines of the cost of living and the cost um, of the program and stuff like that. And we had an international students orientation at UT Dallas before the program began, where they kind of gave us guidelines about the different rules and regulations that are to be followed. We had like I want to say quarterly mandatory orientations that we had to attend and or complete online. Reference to pandemic era here, I was a pandemic graduate. So like attend online or like in person, the orientations that we had to keep up with. There's also this body of USCIS that kind of gave guidelines yearly that we had to follow, right? You have 90 days to find a job offer after you graduate. You have to have an employment authorization card when you graduate to start your employment. You have to apply for that employment authorization card. I want to say 90 days prior to your graduation. And there's a lot of like deadlines that you need to follow to file that paperwork. So I think a lot of it comes from the immigration and student services offices at different universities. They kind of keep you up to date with those guidelines. But The most important part of, you know, hunting a job as an international student is the fact that you need to keep yourself acquainted with the industry that you're going to work for, right? So as a person who's coming from India to United States, I had to familiarize myself with the United States market, the United States industry, the different kind of applications that are utilized here, the different technologies that are utilized here, they're different from where I come from. And so it was really important to keep myself, again, circling back to the fact that you have to keep yourself up to date with the industry, right? And so most of it came from places such as attending events, but then also following guidelines from your student centers. So that was the administrative part. When it came to actual job hunting on LinkedIn or like on Indeed or what have you, different platforms that you look for jobs, I think networking is important, but then you also have to look for companies that give you visa sponsorship. So that's like a clause that was new to me as an international student because you have STEM programs and non-STEM programs. STEM programs allow you to stay in the United States three years after you graduate and the non-STEM programs, I think they have a different timeline, which I'm not fully aware of because I come from STEM background. But that being said, within that three years, you need to find an employer that can sponsor your H-1B work visa, which allows you to stay in the United States for an extended period of time, which is defined by the USCIS. So finding sponsorship, I want to say, in pandemic era was different because hiring conditions were different. People were just fairly new to the remote work style, I think, for the first half of 2020 people. We're not so aware of remote work styles. So, you know, just finding jobs that are now completely remote. There's no UX research happening in person, which was the case in 2019. A lot of companies had like UX research in person. So different things came together in my job and specifically, and I think most of the pandemic graduates here will agree to that. I think so will both of you because there there were different times when we graduated. (laughs) So I think all of that put together, just keeping yourself up to date with the guidelines from the authority organizations and then making sure that whenever you hunt for a job, you have that clause understood of sponsorship, and if not, work out things. So I think both of those are really important.
2: That's so interesting to me. And like, we talked about it in passing, like I very specifically remember where we talked about it and everything. But it's nice to hear like, there's so many other parts of it. And I hope that any international students listening to this podcast got a glimpse and kind of got a head start then and understanding where to look for and how to successfully job hunt. So a follow up question to that is, you were mentioning along the way that you just like stayed up to date with things in the industry, but I personally don't really know how I did that as a student, other than like UX club. But were there any other places that you were going to stay up to date?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Honestly, uh, now that I think in the retrospective, I was a big crazy fan of reading articles from Nielsen Norman. I was a big crazy fan of reading stuff from McKinsey, Harvard Business Schools. And I think most of those things kept me up to date with what was going on. There's also Boston Consulting Group, which is, I would say, both market and UX focused. Some of their work is also really impressive. Like, just read really different case studies. One of the things that I found fascinating was that there's this understanding that UX is always subconsciously associated with tech and apps. There's so much more to UX just beyond techs and apps. Reading different case studies from different backgrounds, from healthcare, from agriculture, from supply chain and stuff like that, that just fascinated me. Just reading different articles. There are also different conferences that do publications so like CHI, CHI conference, Human Computer Interaction, one is a big one. So reading their free papers. As a university student, we always had access to all the wonderful literature surveys and like paperwork. So just keeping yourself familiar with those white reports, published papers, also kind of scholarly articles helps a lot. So those were my to go resources because it was again a virtual world back then. Now that I am more transitioning into like back to pre-pandemic stuff, I think it's attending various conferences, attending various events at your workplace and outside workplace that are associated with UX.
0: That's awesome. Like that curiosity and continuous learning super important. And as you pointed out when we're students, we have we have access to journals and like research papers and things that we don't always have access to after so it's a really good reminder to take advantage of that while you have it for free or like maybe not free but included in your tuition. So I love all the things that you did while you were a student to kind of keep up to date to make sure you were learning all the trends and things going on in the world of design but what are some of the things that you learned while you were in school that you actually brought into your professional work?
1: Some of the research methodologies that you have an opportunity to study in theory, I think you will get opportunity to implement them in your projects as you transition from your school to your job. Just experimenting different research methodologies is one of them. I think one of the things that I did not learn at school was agile UX. I mean, I just had read about it. I never had a formal subject about it or like how to implement that. It was just a term hanging out in the background uh, throughout my time here. And so I actually learned about Agile UX as I started my corporate jobs. Some of the things that I was able to learn in school, but kind of learn in practical in my corporate job. This is our UX or so like implementation of accessibility because you don't necessarily have all the accessibility knowledge when you're a student unless you have a formal subject about it. For me, I never had a formal subject about accessibility, but it was again something that was hanging in the background for me. So just implementing those in real life, in real projects, in real time is really a crucial learning curve for me. But all of these terms, you read about them in your school. So. They're not completely unfamiliar to you. They're just, you don't have knowledge in practice.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds like it's more of kind
1: of just putting all
0: those theories to practice that you learn or like from textbooks or from your projects, but seeing it with real users and things like that.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that um, school enables you to learn is different design systems, some color theories that you learn as a basic part of HCI, um, some natural, I would say, interactions, some of your coursework projects. I think they're a great way to kind of implement those design systems. I think that was one thing that I could directly bring from my school to like my workplace, because I was already aware of them we we never had the opportunity to create a design system at our school but like utilize the free ones that are available the public ones that are available open source what have you And I think just utilize them in your design way as an inspiration I think that's something that helps you in your corporate workplace I think most of the workplace use some sort of design system if not there's either a mood board or a storyboard there that's like an inspiration so utilizing those mood boards was also really helpful at the beginning of my career So we talked
0: a lot about learning and how to stay up to date and how to, you know, start implementing those things. Really when we're thinking about students, in particular international students, but really any students, for those who are looking to find a job in the UX
1: field, what is some advice you would give them? There's a strong association between UX and software apps and our technology, right? But I think UX goes beyond software or applications. It's pretty much there in automotive, energy, manufacturing, supply chain, what have you, right? And you'll see a lot of UX opportunities emerging in these fields as they realize the value of UX and that it extends beyond just screens, right? You have end-to-end user experience in buying a car. You have your user experience when you utilize those dashboards in your car, right? In your healthcare, when you have those smart technologies associated with your phone apps, you know, when you have your medical equipments that you use. So Internet of Things has changed user experience in a lot of ways that will accelerate the future, you know, of technology and user experience. So I think considering Fields that go beyond technology are really important in a way that you consider physical user experience, airlines, kiosks, what have you, it's pretty much there everywhere around you. So when you look for jobs, probably if you look for fields that are, I would say, not so popular right now, you know, I I wouldn't say popular, but basically not so talked about right now. So basically, maybe healthcare, for example, IoT, those use UX really strongly or agriculture or energy sector automotive you know all the the technology cars that we have right now so i think consider these factors because the more you diverse your job hunt into different domains the more chance you have of getting those interview calls right now because maybe right now tech is probably having the looming issues with the economy but probably some of the other sectors are not they might be hiring right And one of the other similar domain that is not considered so commonly is banking, uh, right? All of us, we work for bankers, so I mean, they use UX. One of the other places that is not so often looked uh, up is education sector, right? There's a lot of UX opportunities in the education sector. A lot of universities hire for UX researchers and designers. So just thinking about different domains where they actually utilize user experience rather than going about just the common jobs you know so i think that's one key strategy that i would really like to recommend for anyone who's trying to break into ux
0: yes as you pointed out we all work at banks and something we've even discussed before is that ux is sometimes not obvious like it doesn't have to be at a tech company every company needs some sort of design and sometimes it can be in a more quote-unquote boring industry but That doesn't mean there's not users to serve. That doesn't mean there's not wicked problems to solve. So I love that push. What is something that you would tell your college freshman self?
1: Oh my God, that's a difficult question. (laughs) I think I would just encourage myself to go about and experiment more. I always held back my ideas because I felt that they were very naive. In reality, I don't think all of them were naive. Some of them had great potentials but I never acted on those and I think a missed opportunity is a bad opportunity. So I would just say there's no harm in taking all the opportunities that you have in front of you. You won't regret about it later on. If anything, you'll learn the most from it. I would have just encouraged myself to go out there and take more chances, be more confident and believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, you won't get other people believe in yourself, right? So just pushing myself more, believing in myself more and not easily being judgmental about yourself. And the biggest thing that I faced in my time is that I felt my portfolio was never good enough, or my portfolio was ever complete. And so I never put it out there because I felt like, mm, not up to the mark that I see, you know, some really good portfolios. But in reality, it wasn't so half bad. So maybe if I had put it out there earlier. I would have probably attracted more opportunities. So anyone who is like probably in the same boat with me right now who feels their portfolio is not good enough or it's probably not having 10 or 12 case studies, but you just have one or two, one or two are enough. As long as you believe in it and as long as you can justify why you have taken those design or research decisions, I think that's what matters in a case study and just go out there and put it out there.
2: We hope you enjoyed today's episode as we got a glimpse into the life of a successful UX researcher with beginnings as an international student. Join us next time where we'll be chatting with our former professors and mentors, Norm Cox and Cassini Nazir. We'll go over what's currently happening in design education as more students learn about the UX field and how UX has evolved over the years. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, follow us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Podcast. Thanks for popping in!